0: all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc
1: all right let's try that again we'll see if we can uh just uh so we're gonna review the the documentary the source family which uh we just watched on prime uh for your first time but for my second i watched it during when it first came out during early pandemic go for it
2: well i what i noticed because it started although it said a few things about his earlier life it was very brief and it started with the opening of this Restaurant, um, I think Sunset Boulevard in L.A. And it was interesting to note as an astrologer that he has his son in cancer, uh, July 4th birth date. So he's a man. Um, cancer rules nurturing and caring, a lot of the maternal qualities which men can embody beautifully uh, because they, they have no problem when it's a man with a cancer son, showing their feelings. So he's got the, the experience to be able to start a restaurant, um, and he's doing what a cancer person does, which is to feed people, to nurture them. And he can do the big picture part, which is to put it together in, in terms of a restaurant rather than just around the kitchen table. Um, and he also, within that, Wants each individual person, like a member of a family, to feel recognized, loved, and seen, and they—that was illustrated very clearly throughout all of this, and and nicely documented that that he would hug people and is very tactile, um, and certainly in the early days it seemed fairly innocent that he just wanted to be affectionate and let people know that he was. Um, an authority figure, certainly, but a nurturing and a caring, and uh, completely committed to each individual's unique spark, kind of parent figure, and that was beautifully shown in the the early stages of this. So, as an astrologer, I found that quite fascinating, and of course, I remember those times because that was my uh, my time of uh, being in my late teens, early 20s so if I had been inclined in that way I can certainly see why people were drawn to it They, people who came out of the 1950s structured, controlled um, emotions completely subjected to being suppressed and relationships that were completely stereotyped you know, the man went to work, the woman stayed home, and they didn't share feelings or thoughts or anything. And so that, that generation, when it came to late teens, early 20s, what it wanted, more than anything, was a family that had connection.
1: So it was a like fatherless generation.
2: Well, fatherless and, and motherless, too, in that the mothers, although they were there in the home, their, their role was extremely rigid. They weren't allowed to move outside of their role. So women in the 50s who were not actually well-suited to having children could be pretty difficult people to live with. They're unhappy. They could be completely miserable, and they could be even worse than that. They could be abusive because they don't want to be at home with kids. They had no choice, the birth control, virtually non-existent, and... uh, they didn't have any ability to go and earn a living. So they had to marry, they had to get someone who could support them, and then they had to keep him. So they had to play a role to make sure that the man didn't wander away. So the kids growing up in that environment, the father away working and not expressing any emotion or being involved with the kids, the mother at home, but perhaps not wanting to be there. Some certainly didn't um, want to go to work, but some of them very much would have preferred a different life as an educated person or as a person earning, especially earning their own money. Um, so that generation coming out of that, they wanted to have freedom. They wanted to have the ability to do whatever it is they wanted to to do. They wanted to find their creative spark and they wanted to have Relationships where people were honest, you know, in your face, completely affectionate, caring, but telling you the truth. Like, people from that generation were starved for the truth, were starved for a sense of connection. So Jim Baker came along, and he created um, a family, a family dynamic, where people were told they were loved, they were wanted. They were special, and he created a place where you fed people, and everyone lived together in close quarters. So there would be a lot of affection and touching, and um, just a feeling Love. that you are you are loved, you ca- you are cared for, and and also the encouragement to follow your creative spark at least in in the earlier stages. I don't know what extent that would be encouraged if your creative spark wanted to take you elsewhere. So that, I think, wasn't really addressed much in the documentary. That If people wanted to leave, were they encouraged to just follow their heart if that's what they wanted, or if pressure was brought to keep them there? Uh, That was something that really wasn't addressed, and that would have been interesting to have some insight into that.
1: Yeah, like when the like when the dad wasn't allowed to give his son antibiotics because they were anti-medicine and they were shining light on the kid to try and cure him and so he left but it's unclear if he even brought his son with him um
2: if yes if the if the mother was in the family then very very likely he wouldn't have because it certainly wouldn't have been part of his yeah they background that to the kid yeah I'm sure the kid was okay or they would have said something they wouldn't have highlighted a child and then not said if the child had come to harm Mm. but the child was lucky in that case and and didn't lose its hearing so
1: yeah yes so jim baker in 69 he had been fought in the second world war then he robbed he was beatnik was married robbed banks killed a couple guys in self-defense and uh, started the Source Restaurant, which I didn't realize when I was, you know, I was, of course, r- raised by you and Dad or watching Woody Allen movies, and, and I didn't realize that famous scene in, in, in Annie Hall was actually a real restaurant. I thought it was just a, a thing Woody Allen made up to make fun of California, but it was the Source Restaurant, that scene in Annie Hall, where he orders what compressed.
2: Yeast, compressed I yeast. <laughs> I yes. have an order
1: of compressed yeast, mashed yeast. 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 Um, so, so Jim Baker reinvents himself as Father Yud, Father y- or Yahoa, and uh, and gives everyone magical names with their last names, all being the. Uh, their last names as the Aquarian. Their middle names is the. Most of them changed it legally, it seems. And uh, the, the, a lot of these people are still around, but Jim Baker himself, Father Yud. Lasted basically from '69 till what '78 when he went hang gliding and and that was that.
2: Was it '78?
1: '78. So he no, was I around for eight years in total. I think '75,
2: and then he died, and then they disbanded over two years. They were around we for eight, check, eight years. Yeah. Check that, but yes, '75 is a, a year when things started to become again more conservative, because the pendulum always swings. So one of the things that was going on astrologically. Was that Uranus was going through? Let me find that. Um, going through Libra, I believe, causing upheaval in people's um, perception of relationships, and that that certainly was a big factor in that time, because it went from uh, you had to be a virgin. And uh, and you had to find a husband for women. And men, you had to marry a virgin. And you had to marry and raise a family and get a job, whether you liked it or not. And that was very much seen in Uranus in Libra, which Libra is the seventh house of marriage. And Uranus comes along, and that planet just turns everything upside down and sideways. It just brings chaos in its wake. And that chaos is usually ultimately in many ways for the best because it gets rid of anything that is calcified, anything that has become rigid. And in a sense, once things become too rigid, then they become fragile and can break. So it sometimes things, the status quo needs to break and something new needs to come in. So that is what happened during that phase. As soon as birth control became something that women could easily uh, get, well, more easily get access to, once there was the pill, then all of a sudden, very quickly, women were wanting to have sex and no longer had to marry because they were pregnant, and there was a lot of, with the uh, bra burning and all the rest of women wanting to get out there and have a job, have a career, no longer having to be dependent on men, men no longer having to take on the responsibility of a family in a nine-to-five job. And you see that uh, exemplified in those people. I mean, they certainly went for a certain amount of regimentation um, with the same, wearing the same drapey clothes, but partly that, too, would really play into the whole we're part of a family, we are identifiable and recognizable as a group that is committed to each other, and that kind of like a badge that they would have this, this wear the same type of clothes, and that they were free and flowing. Yeah, and
1: the, the uniformity of their dress to me doesn't suggest Aquarianism as I'm familiar with it. Would you say that that their a family overall represent more of an Aquarian energy or a Piscean one?
2: Um. I, there's Aquarius involved astrologically around that time and Aquarius is a, is a group dynamic and groups Ooh, are, right, yeah. are very much uh, known for taking um, something that makes them feel special, feel separate from other people, feel um, in some way that it identifies their group identity and that that group identity is different from everyone else so the clothes very much I mean they were not very different from a lot of the other clothes that were being worn at the time I remember having a tie-dye you know full-length dress that I wore all the time and it was out mm-hmm. of India and it was flowing and beautiful and and I loved wearing it and they had the same clothes because they had a group identity, and they were comfortable in it because it was you could look at each other and say, "Yes, this is my brother. This is my sister. This is my lover. This is my friend." And um, and there's our dad over there who loves us so much, giving us a job and uh, an identity, and and they focused in on the spirituality um, very very quickly as he brought it in from his. Connection with the the Swami. I can't remember his name, but but he took what he wanted from that, and then took other ideas from other spiritual paths. Um, but the emphasis being on the spirituality of it.
1: Yogi Bhajan.
2: Yeah, not just on using it to control people, but using it. Uh, his intention obviously was to help people become more who they should be more of their own creative inner light and uh, more conscious and clearly adopted that part of uh, the evolutionary part, the reincarnation that you're going to expand your consciousness um, aspect that came out of the east is not part of the uh, that current Christian tradition Certainly part of the mystical Christian tradition, but not part of the uh, church on every corner tradition that most of us in the fifties grew up with.
1: Yeah. So you were born in nineteen forty eight, which means you were like nineteen twenty and sixty nine when this sort when this when the Source family started. So you were of this is definitely your generation, yeah, it's my of, generation. Of, of boys and girls who were um, seeking whatever they were seeking. And, uh, of course, you, uh, you maybe, I mean, maybe you would have even, if you had lived in L.A., been with this group. But you were no. not into the drugs at all. You were very anti-drugs and alcohol. I, I,
2: I wasn't anti-drugs or anti-alcohol. Um, I just would f- found that, for me, physiologically, I react very, very strongly to taking things like that. Hmm. So um, the one time I tried hashish took me three days to come down, so it was just not something that uh, suited me. I also prefer my mind to be clear. I don't want to go someplace off on a, a trip in my head, and, um, and I just wasn't as trusting in terms of believing that someone else could open my consciousness. So I certainly had the opportunity to do LSD, even a controlled trip. Um, I know people who did it under the guidance of a psychiatrist, which is uh, the smart way to do it if you were and this in was those days. back in days, the 70s. N- late 60s. Late 60s. Yeah, people were doing it that way. Uh, people were doing it on their own, and some of them were jumping off buildings. So that never struck me as a very good idea, because I thought, well, I definitely could be one of those people who might decide flying a yeah terrific yeah. idea i've, so I've been at
1: the beach when someone's jumped off the cliff on 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 that stuff and yeah and i uh, thought they could fly and helicopters had to air carry them out because it was out the cliffs at ubc um so but you found maharishi anyway you were you found your own path other than uh i mean father i'm not comparing father yod to maharishi exactly but
2: not at all very different yeah,
1: yeah tell us tell tell me well for 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 a lot of people who they would seem like the same sort of thing you know they both are are uh guys I, uh, with big beards driving Rolls royces with the uh, leading people spiritually that's i'm saying well, in very broad stroke terms yeah so we'll just walk that back,
2: back a little bit Go for it. um sure. so first of all mari he didn't never drove so course, if yeah. he was in a car i don't know what type it would be but someone else would drive for him he was out of a uh, very ancient 2000 year old Vedic tradition in India and came up through the the path of meditation and uh, uh, denial of an ascetic life Um, he was um, a monk so it's completely he first he had his degree in physics uh, bachelor's degree in physics but then he met uh, his, someone who became his teacher, Guru Dev, and he took on the life of an, an ascetic, a monk. So that's not slightly a, different
1: than being a bank robber who opens up a hippie cat.
2: Somewhat, yes. Not to he, diminish
1: Father Yod and the Source family, of course.
2: Well, Father, Father Yod, Jim Baker, was on his personal path. It was He created his own spiritual journey, And he invited everyone to join him on it. It was just part of his personal um, nature to want to have other people around him and to include them on his journey. So whether or not that happened, that change happened, I can't remember the details from the um, documentary. So
1: whether it was just
2: doing a specific drug or several, yeah, Yeah. so that it opened up his mind. Well, that was at the
1: end there, right? We were talking about that, so like, here's something, just let me get this thought out, so you know, a lot, what's interesting to me, the reason I even brought up Maharishi besides the fact that that was your path that you chose in those years, in the 70s, you you became a transcendental meditation practitioner, and I grew up in a Maharishi world, so that was definitely the path you chose. Yeah,
2: not till 19, I I'm, I'm I started meditation in 1972, so I was involved that's in other things before then. Uh, yeah, so okay.
1: I'm right, that's what I'm saying. So what's in, what this, the parallels are spiritual leaders and a community of people that they're leading. That's the parallel I'm drawing. Those are the okay. parallels. It's broad, because it's necessarily broad, yeah. but... That's what's interesting about it is what kind of environment and what kind of teachings those teachers bring into those environments and what goes on with those people. That's what's interesting to me.
2: Okay. Well, I, I don't really want to um, draw, I, I can tell you some of the differences, the obvious one being, as I said, that Maharishi was a monk from East India, uh, part of a very ancient 2,000-year-old tradition. And uh, he came to the West to teach meditation to anyone in the West who was interested in learning. Um, I'm not
1: interested in comparing So it's not really...
2: They're they're very, very different. So the fact that they had beards and were flowing clothes just is a very superficial um, comparison. And I think what was very interesting about Jim Baker is that you have a very strong personality and it the who is on his own spiritual journey which he did in a way that included about 140 other people uh, at least because people came and went uh, on that journey with him that's a very interesting organic scenario where everybody joined together and and wanted to create Something spiritual and true for themselves.
1: Yeah, what I found interesting was, you know, unlike uh, so, you know, it, with with Maharishi and a lot of spiritual gurus and teachers, you have them leading people and pointing them towards a practice and God, right? This is a pr- here's a practice. This will connect you with God. Like pray to God. If you meditate, you connect with God. Whereas Jim Baker was God. He was God. He was directing people not to something beyond him so much, but to himself, for most of the source family, and certainly that's what the impression I got from the documentary. But then he had a big change when, when they're in Hawaii, they did that ritual with eat a big bowl of mushrooms each, and he told them, "I'm not God," and they all freaked out. They some of them left, and and renounced him, which is probably what you should do when someone tells you they're not God. <laughs> that's sort of what they're telling you to do is renounce them um so he and he said any but that's so that's interesting because he like you were saying he brought them on his journey first he was god they worshipped him as god and then he realized fundamentally through plant medicines that he wasn't he had a he had, I don't know, he had his own revelation on 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 the psilocybin and uh told his fellow followers that he wasn't god and he was just a man and they freaked out and uh and then he prepared his himself for death because he was predicting his own death saying I'm ready to go and you all have to go on your way
2: yes that's a, that's an interesting synopsis of what happened for sure uh, again the difference with she was that he was although a monk himself he wasn't preaching anything to do with his religion he wanted to offer uh, meditation as a technique to westerners because he didn't perceive that they had Anything, or that he perceived that they would benefit from a technique twice a day just to relieve stress. It was absolutely not focused on preaching anything about reaching God. Um, people, who, people who um, wanted to become teachers of TM and delved more into the roots of the practice... I think those people had more of a spiritual bias and an interest. um, But people around the world who were doing TM um, did it as marketed predominantly as a way to reduce stress. And a lot of scientific research was done, um, some of it at Harvard, very good studies. just simply showed that physiologically, the practice of meditation using a mantra would uh, enhance your physiological health, reduce blood blood pressure uh, and other physiological values would become healthier. So it's a very, very different, I mean, they're just not people I would uh, compare as being similar in in any way, except the most superficial, the Marishi was not building a family or.
1: No, yeah, I wasn't. You know, I didn't compare them, right?
2: I don't know what you mean by that. I,
1: I what? Oh, uh, it just seems a little that you're thinking I was comparing them, but I wasn't. I'm not
2: comparing okay, them at all. Okay, well, I don't know why you mentioned. Well, I don't know.
1: I was talking about your spiritual, your your you being the same age as the people who joined that family, but you joined you know, you went with Maharishi, you didn't join the group like that, you joined a different group. I wasn't saying reading into it at all. I'm just yeah, highlighting
2: I, Except that their group the time started period. to break up around the yeah, time. Yeah, that's,
1: that's what I want to talk about is the documentary and what happened in that and yeah, that sort of thing. So I don't want to talk about TM or anything or yeah, Maharishi so at all.
2: I agree. I don't think it's comparable. It's
1: not at all. Not at all. The
2: spirituality I, is a factor in any Meditative practice if you wish to focus on it, but it can be just used as a, a way to relax and become more open and um, more effective in your life. And in the beginning with the Source family, he, Jim Taylor was portraying himself as their father, as a parent figure, providing them with a family environment. Um, and then later he became, well getting rather fond of himself and decided he was god but and i got the impression that he was sincere about it so whatever his his experiences through the spiritual practices of breathing and um movement and drugs that he was using i think he really sincerely it sounds like he sincerely came to that place where he saw himself as god
1: and now A word from our sponsors. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do, since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much.
2: Whether he actually thought, well, I'm a part of God, so that makes me God, or how he conceptualized it, he did go to that place where he started calling himself God, which gets a yeah, little dicey. and he dicey. was assigning
1: women to men, telling yeah. women you can't be with the guy you're with anymore. You have to be with Mercury over here.
2: Yeah, so that gets a little, a little uh, dicey.
1: That's very Jehovah.
2: He went. He went from being a nurturing father figure uh, with a loving family uh, to getting sort of delusions of (laughs) grandeur, uh, godier, and then controlling (laughs) people's lives, and then into a very disturbing range where he was basically just wanted to have sex with a lot of young women, and that was a very negative stage of that development, but then he did come out of it at the end and he did recognize that he wasn't the God, you know, he might be a part of God, but he wasn't the God he's a man, he's a person and he really did go on quite a full journey and a lot of people came along with him and it's interesting that those people were really attracted to his journey and being a part of it with him. Uh, it's a fascinating study of that whole dynamic. It's like they, they became all cells within one life form almost. And then he finished with it. You know, very sincerely, he said, I'm not God. That's not the case. I'm just a man. And then he was ready to leave. So. That was really quite a, I think, a a really beautifully done documentary in that it showed his spiritual path. And you don't very often get to see someone's spiritual path laid out so clearly all the way from, you know, a normal American childhood through fighting in wars, being married, Getting involved in some very sketchy activities, and then, then really turning to a spiritual path and going through it with a whole group of people that he took on a journey f- with him, and then he ended it, and then they all dispersed because it was over. That that journey had ended.
1: Yeah, I think th- yeah. Is is uh, he had with thirteen wives, but only one legal one, Robin, and she really got destroyed by him when he decided to. He they he had a he had his commandments, right, that everyone followed, and then and one was monogamy, and and one man, one woman. Then he changed that to decide to have thirteen wives and threw over his main wife, and she described him after that as a dirty old man on a lust trip.
2: Yeah, and that's pretty accurate from the sounds of things.
1: Yeah, plus not to mention the fact that some of those wives were. Under very 18 young. in the States, very, which is very young. illegal, I guess, um, back then. They, they lost members over it, so I th- assume that was... I know different states were Canadian, right, so we don't have a clue. But I know different states have different ages of consent, but he had... And and so, But some, some of the members left at that time, so it must their age of consent must have been 18 back then. But I don't know. I was not well, around there, in the 70s. There is something
2: where parents or legal guardian can give you per- permission to marry, and it's possible that some of those young women were able to get that permission. I have no idea because they don't exactly explain how he was able to marry those people or if he even tried to marry them legally. He didn't. If what they actually just did was their own ceremony and they would be in that sense perhaps better described as as concubines. But his wife in the document, he was very clear how extremely disturbed and distressed she was by him going off the path and it was written all over her face she's anguished yeah and but torn obviously because she still loved him she had children with him and um but you could see that while he was she could say that she didn't believe in what he was doing and she didn't believe he did either which was A very telling point Mm -hmm. she didn't buy into his well gee I'm God and I can do whatever I want (laughs) you know where we heard that one before you know it's it's the dirty old man excuse so but he did travel through that phase and come out the other end and it seems as though he recognized that he was not an all-powerful being who could do whatever he wanted. We don't know if it actually went that far, but he certainly recognized, oh, okay, I am actually kidding myself on this one. I'm just an ordinary person. I'm not the deity.
1: Do you think at the end there, when he decided to do that basically suicidal uh, uh, flight um, without experience or training, do you think it was... Part of that might have been that realization and then the shame of some of the, you know, the his sins, so more or less, and no. desire. Like, sort of, but, you know, you don't want to just jump off a cliff for, in front of your followers, so you you hang glide off the cliff. You don't think that was going no. on? It's just a, it was a, yeah. I,
2: I just, I believe he was sincere in his yeah. journey. It really so does I, seem so. It I really don't does. believe. I didn't get the impression from what they showed us, and that's pretty unique footage to have basically someone's last hours um, documented like that. It seemed he was very sincere. And I think he felt a sense that with that Latin phrase he used at the, to the person who spoke to him. We who
1: are him, about to die salute you.
2: Yes, you know, so I think he felt, no, I'm done. I've, I've come full circle. I've learned everything I can learn. And uh, I think he was at that point acceptant. Accepting of whatever was next for him. But he had a feeling, obviously, that he was just finished. And in human terms, we often think of being finished as being mortal death. Doesn't have to mean that, but we do tend to feel okay, I'm done, I'm ready to go. And certainly for someone with spiritual um, beliefs, the idea that his spirit was now ready to leave the body because this particular adventure had run its course. And the documentary showed that, I think, quite beautifully and in a very um, intimate and touching way.
1: Yeah, so as we know, our friend Edward has had a lot of these people on his podcast including isis who i think put this together plus he was in a hollywood office dealing with permits or something Mm -hmm. when she was doing Mm -hmm. it and then so other aquarians were calling in trying to ask him if he knew about it because they wanted to stop it and he's like i don't remember the story i think he told me about it on a podcast but maybe not we'll have to talk to him about it next time Mm -hmm. but i'm really excited to talk to zarathustra Uh, on the podcast and find exciting. out because I'm curious about the conflict around the documentary what is, what I know they, they, they glossed over the ceremonial magic stuff in a way that is very suspicious plus the really absurd imageries and video footage they put while discussing that and saying that they were practicing golden dawn sex magic techniques like that's not true, that's a lie so if you're lying about using Golden Dawn sex magic techniques cuz there are no sex magic techniques in the entire Golden Dawn corpus.
2: And they wouldn't be gymnastic based. And they
1: even. wouldn't be involved hanging from monkey bars naked swinging around making goofy faces. So something's going on there in the doc that part of the documentary. It's like the, it felt to me the first time like they're trying to cover up something either they're embarrassed about the ceremonial magic stuff because they did it in a really goofy and insincere and stupid way, so they want to portray it that way and demean it. Or, maybe it made me think, this is just my reaction to the documentary, or it made me think, maybe there was more going on they were working with some serious entities and stuff like that which i think could have if they were that could have led to his transformation and turnaround and 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 death in sort of peace you know rather than like going out the way a lot of these cult leaders go out and so i'm curious if that if they were covering up more serious magical stuff or connections or they just don't say anything at all they the only thing they do say isn't Possi- is in no way possibly accurate, and so that's really, of course, you know, running an occult podcast. I want to know more. <laughs> like, what's what happened there?
2: Well, I think what what it what they portrayed was, as you say, they glossed over. Uh, they said certain things were being explored, and then glossed over it and portrayed it with certain very goofy images that didn't match with the words. So, I I would say inquiring minds want to know, it, it would be a question of uh, speaking with the historian Isis, and seeing... Well, she's you know, the one who
1: made that gloss happen. Yeah,
2: Speaking right. with Isis, and uh, seeing off the record at first, if there was a reason why yeah. she didn't reveal more of that information, because she has all the archives, and she was there. Um, and it would be nice to know from her on a... Person to person level, if that's something she might be interested in revealing more of on a podcast that is more focused on the esoteric. Um, and it may be that my what I wondered was this was a documentary for the masses, so perhaps she didn't want to delve into the more arcane practices. It's well, all speculation. Mm. until you actually speak to Isis. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I am i don't know if I will, but no, she's certainly but welcome to put on the podcast, know. as are any of the Aquarian Source family members who might hear about this. Um, I'm talking to Zarathustra either tomorrow or Monday. Uh, hopefully. Who knows, maybe he'll hear this and be like, I'm not talking to that dude.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, hopefully he will. I mean, it would be very interesting just to talk to to him and see what his experience was. This is one woman's experience, and and she had the good fortune, to, and as did viewers, f- to have all this documentation. But there's also just nothing that compares with an individual's first-hand account of their experiences in what is, for most people, an extremely unique situation, and also one very rooted in that time period, because the, it's the only the people who went through it who were there who know... Who know what really happened, and Zarathustra will have his unique take on it, and different people can be looking at the same, living through the same experience, and have completely different experiences of it and outcomes. So, I, I'm so looking forward to, it and it'll be so exciting to hear what Zarathustra's experiences were and what he's been. <coughs> and willing to share.
1: Yeah. Well, that's one of th- actually what interests me the most about the source family, is given how young a lot of them were teenagers when they were joined, and this is just in the 70s, um, so what that means is a lot of them are still around, and what was interesting at the end is to see how many of them have gone on to do absolutely remarkable things, like the band has reformed, the ba- their band is still active, and that would be amazing to see. But just so many of these people... Who are, are have gone on and like some are in Washington, just down the road from us, and some are part of Ramtha now, of course, and as other, just some of them are you know made tens of millions on software. Just really interesting people it seems came out of it who weren't you know they didn't all drink poison in a jungle, you know. No, That's, it
2: didn't have a uh, very that very different of, story. Uh, really tragic outcome from someone who the Jim Jones scenario you're referring to who really became a megalomaniac and uh, people became sheeps gave up their will and I think <clears throat> Jim Baker and I'm, I can't say his other names properly so he wanted to Im- ultimately and his most sincere wish appeared to be to empower people to be who they are and to live in a positive uh, way that does not hurt the environment or other people. I like what he said in the very beginning. And I think that uh, perhaps he came full circle to that, which is simply be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Be kind to the earth. And some of the people at the end of the documentary, they showed how they were living their lives in a way that they hoped would be kind to themselves, others, and the earth.
1: Yeah, that's what's actually also really interesting, is a lot of the followers, they, a lot of the times in these cults, you know, people go and then they're like, oh, I can't believe I was a part of anything like that. They reject everything. So I see this tons in, in, in the Golden Dawn and and groups like that, where it's like like a lot of the magicians and adepts that came out of Temple of like, you can't bring up magic, or spirituality even, or religion at all, without them breaking down so much mentally that they have to go into a mental institute. I've had this experience with several past members. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I don't know what happened to you, but clearly, you I don't know. I don't even know. I can't even speak to it. I don't want to. Well, but, but like, to see... So these people have gone on, and they're still living in these ecological, you know, holistically-minded... Uh, I don't know. how. What's another good word for it?
2: I think holistic is a good word. You know, they are wanting to build sustainable environments that don't damage the earth and I think that one of the big differences if you come out of a, an order, an organization with certain practices is not the same as the people who came out of an experience where they felt they were part of a family and they have taken on those values of loving and sharing and caring um, different different root and different root problems. And I wouldn't be presumptuous enough to speak to them because I'm not qualified, but the emphasis that Jim Baker had, that he started with, and which people were responding to, and you can see the faces, you can see the joy hmm. and the happiness in, in what we've been allowed to see in this, which is people feeling loved and free and and open. And not all of that would be... Drug induced all of the time, so well, there's were a lot to, of sincerity in It doesn't seem like that. they were
1: heavy drug people at all. They were more just libertarian. It seemed, or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think that's a that's probably a, a good word. But they they it was not artificially maintained. Right. Clearly, yeah. they were they were sincerely feeling a sense of being loved, and in the end, it didn't seem like he ever betrayed that. Yeah, he didn't turn on them. And, um, although there was that he impet- didn't betray them here. as
1: a group, but he betrayed the, some of them as individuals a-
2: absolutely, and he betrayed young women by wanting to have sex with them mm. and marry them. Mm-hmm. that was absolutely a very serious betrayal um That's but a nice word it, the for overarching guys. um umbrella of it was still that you know he wanted to be a loving person. he just got a little sidetracked into the lustful version of that and you know, people are willing to forgive a certain amount if if the error is sincere, and certainly if it's recognized. And, you know, it seems like he wanted to apologize for that in his last speech, in saying, I'm not a god. <clears throat> he doesn't actually say, I'm sorry I said that before and made you all do things. but um, <laughs> yeah. But he did say, you know, that that's not the case so I am just a man and men and women make mistakes so and we can all understand and, and forgive it especially when people will say you know mia culpa it was uh, it's what mm. I thought at the time and now I know I was wrong
1: <laughs> well I guess that probably covers it eh?
2: I think it does. Mm. It was a fascinating documentary, and a really amazing slice of that time.
1: I told you it wasn't what you were expecting it was going to be. Uh huh. Yeah. Am I was I right?
2: Yes, because um, it was certainly a more positive ending than I than is often the case uh, in cult oriented groups. Yeah. So this was basically benign and quite positive. I mean, we don't know about the experiences of people who were not in the documentary. So there might have been harm done to people who have issues. But, you know, that wasn't focused on this. and It so touched a little.
1: it's, like, it's actually it did a good job of touching on, like, sort of the tips of the icebergs of potential bad things, but also of the good... It, it was re- very balanced. I thought it was balanced. And if I'm <coughs> wrong, I would love to be...
2: Yeah, yeah, I I'll, mean... We'll
1: find out with some interviews.
2: The the lady who pre- presented this ISIS, she was their archivist, so she has a, a sense of responsibility and commitment to present it in a way that I think she feels is honest, but is also positive. I do think she has that desire to present it. In a way that explains it in a positive way, oh,
1: I agree, which is what makes it even more interesting that we know from Edward that while she was in the process of getting uh, doing that because he was in the uh, Hollywood offices or l a film offices that there was these that many aquarians were trying to stop her and i 'm curious like why what was she do- what was her agenda that was that they were trying to stop because i can 't see it in the documentary maybe well, that 's the point
2: the point is too that if they' were trying to stop her before she did the documentary. They didn't yet know how it was going to turn out. So what would be of equal interest then would be how do they feel, how do these former members feel now that the documentary's is oh, yeah. out there and yeah. it's available to them to see. And they could do their own documentary too. Oh,
1: for sure. There's these lots days it's very easy to do.
2: Yeah, or they could go on podcasts and just give their point of view because everyone's going to have had a very different experience.
1: Yeah, the Nerd podcast. Check it out, people, for my buddy Edward, very honored for of BT's many interviews with Isis the Aquarian, Zarathustra the Aquarian, Jin the Aquarian, Waterfall the Aquarian, I think? Anyway, you guys can go check it out. And uh, stay tuned for very exciting stuff coming up. I've just a crazy slew of interviews coming up that's just going to be I'm working hard at prep, let's put it that way, okay? So, Yeah have a great weekend want to
0: say bye mom
2: bye everyone bye bye
0: diving deep into the practices and reality tunnels of the esoteric and the occult check out praxis behind the obscure podcast where i interview practicing occultists do book reviews and much more check us out on youtube red circle and many other podcast platforms